0: From Him whose love boldly reconciled creation with Him, and from Him whose name is power enough to bring about healing to all, come all grace, mercy, and peace to each of you today. Amen. Our lesson from our first reading from Acts 4 will serve as the basis for the sermon today. You know, I have to admit that when I read this reading, I kind of uh, felt like I was reading a, a Sunday paper. Um, From the standpoint that, you know, some things never change, right? Maybe I shouldn't say Sunday paper, just a daily paper. And here's what I mean by that. Some things just never change, like bureaucracy. When you read this account, you might find that some things are wrapped up yet again. Bureaucracy is yet again tangled up some things in red tape. How about how you have the same movement, the same... Encounter by two different groups that lead to two different reactions. One stands in awe, as we saw last week in Acts, by this lame man being healed, and another group today now stands utterly annoyed. Unbelievable. Well, Peter last week took the opportunity uh, that this healed, uh, the healing of a lame man, had presented, to address an awe-struck crowd pointing towards God who raised the author of life from the dead. And Peter also then pointed towards the promise that God had given, saying, Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. Apparently, though, the resurrection now is an annoyance to another group of Jewish people. Confronted with Christ, what we see last week is one group standing in awe, and this week we see another one standing in awe and confusion, and annoyance. Today, Peter and John find themselves on trial for proclaiming God's Word because they have annoyed these same people who stood before Pilate and handed Jesus over to Pilate. But why are they annoyed? Why the annoyance with this? Well, because look at what Peter and and John are doing here in proclaiming the Word of Christ. We find out that 5,000 people have come to believe That's got to be embarrassing (laughs) for the chief priests, for the Sadducees, that Peter and John continue to proclaim something they thought that they had squelched. They had thought they put the Word of God down. But God won't let His Word be silenced. And they're still proclaiming this. And yet, in the very own temple, they see this lame man being healed. They see this group of people coming to believe It's kind of like, you know, what are we doing differently than you? That you're getting these group of people coming in here and we can't do anything. No success. But you know what's happening here? Here's what's at the heart of all this. A confrontation is taking place between those who tried to use their powers to put Jesus to death. And on the other side, the ultimate power who raised Jesus from the dead. These are two things, there's two things that one can do when you have a a confrontation. You can either engage it head-on, or, well, you can avoid it. You can try to avoid it, either by fleeing it, or what seems to be more common, backing down and acquiescing to what the threat is that's confronting one. But one takes boldness and courage, and the other lacks boldness and courage. Maribel Mason, years ago, in, in a publication called Homemade, once spoke about the lessons of Munich in World War II. When it's necessary to confront an expansionist dictator, sooner, is better, is, uh, sooner than later is better. As Douglas MacArthur said, in war, all tragedy can be summarized in two words. Too late. Too late in perceiving, too late in preparing to encounter danger. Well, as Peter and John are now faced with examination, confronted by chief priests and Sadducees, they have a choice to make. They can either back down and stop what they're doing, or they can stand boldly in God's Word. Caiaphas now gets right to the the start of the confrontation. By what power or by what name did you do this? Peter then boldly, he doesn't, he doesn't back down, he doesn't think about it for a moment, he just stands right up. I love the boldness now, right? Rulers and, peoples, uh, and people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you, all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and then I love this part, whom you crucified... Point it right out there, Peter. Whom God raised from the dead by this man is standing before you well. How many of us would be so bold to do that? To stand firm in God's Word. To proclaim the name of Jesus. How many of us today back down when we have these confrontations with the world? And Just as Peter did last week in deflecting credit to God. So he does this week. But where does Peter's boldness come from? Peter didn't do this on his own accord because we know what happens when Peter stands apart from God, right? He denies Jesus three times. (laughs) He hides in fear in an upper room behind locked doors. But we find out in this account that Peter, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, now boldly proclaims these things. Now stands in utter boldness. I love it, Peter. Love it. Peter proclaims the good news of Christ empowered in the Holy Spirit. But just as Jesus did. Look at look at in Luke 4. Jesus began His ministry entering into Galilee. It says, filled with the Holy Spirit. He taught in the synagogue and He read from a scroll of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. Peter, like his Lord, filled with the Holy Spirit, then also quotes Scripture. Psalm 118. The stone has the builders rejected that, that the builder's rejected is the cornerstone. I love it. He doesn't do this apart from God, he does this filled with the Holy Spirit. And then you know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of those times that we stand before the world in fear because we're not filled with God's word, we're not filled with the Spirit. And then what happens in those instances? We get, we back down. But can you think? Can you think of a time in your life when you stood firm and you went, wow, that took courage to do that? In God's Word? And who did you give credit to? How did that happen? Keep that in the back of your mind. Actually, keep that at the forefront of your mind. Think about how those times that we've even done that has happened by God filling us with the Spirit. The stone that the builders rejected is the cornerstone. Peter calls them right out here. You are the builders, people. But you, you've rejected that cornerstone. And guess what? Your empire, the things that you have constructed are now coming down crumbling around you in other words apart from god people we're nothing we can't do anything we stand in sinking ground and you know as the old saying goes if you don't stand for something you'll fall for anything and the most important thing in life is to stand firm then in the word of god that's where we get our life from but the courage and boldness to do so that that alone comes from God. Remember I said earlier that once again, bureaucracy has again uh, tangled things up in red tape. These chief priests and these Sadducees and the Temple Guard, they've all been put in power by the Roman authorities to keep the peace and orderliness in Judea. So for one, they are empowered by earthly authorities. And two, they ultimately, as Acts chapter 4 and 5 will point out and will prove, they think they have the power to squelch the word of God. But here's where all the red tape tangles things up. We don't know exactly what motivated these these Sadducees, Annas, Caiaphas, the high priestly family, to get tough with John and Peter. We we know they were annoyed, but we don't know what the exact motivation for all this was. Um, But what we do know is it all started with the healing of a lame man a lame man and here's where the red tape tangles things up this lame man was healed and that's what's lost in all of this rather than celebrating that this man has been healed this man who once begged for alms who who couldn't walk couldn't do anything is now jumping around joyously praising god and they can't see it or they don't want to see it right because they the let's get legalistic here It's just, by whose name did you do this? Well, I just told you whose name, Peter said. I just told you whose name did this. So why can't we all celebrate that? Because some people don't want to recognize that. Some people don't want to believe in Jesus as being the healing name of power. Some people don't want to take that name on for themselves, and they will reject it all the way around. It's a power struggle. Oh, and more importantly, look where this event took place. In the temple, what more glorious place than to have a healing in the temple? We're going to have a baptism right here at the 11 o'clock service. Fantastic. But that's all lost in this story. A truly beneficial act a good deed, a working act of the healing hand of God, lost. And those who participated in it, punished. And unfortunately, that's what happens sometimes when we're confronted with the Word of God. You don't believe that, that God's name or word annoys some people? Well, how about all those people who complained and one the Ten Commandments removed from the halls of justice? How about the atheists who want, in God we trust, removed from currency and license plates? And even we Christians sometimes get annoyed with God's word when it confronts us, convicting us of our simple actions and our thoughts and our words. Sometimes we want to turn a blind eye to God's word because it, well, It makes us uncomfortable in what we proclaim. Or we turn away from our Christian callings from it because we don't agree with certain portions of it. We only pull out of Scripture that which we agree with. And when we do those things, then guess what we do? We do them to our demise. And when we try to avoid confrontation of God's work and word, then we hinder even our own healings through Christ's work. We can't avoid conflict, people. We live in a world full of it. And as Christians, we're ever going to be in a world of conflict, taking God's Word into the world. But we must stand for Christ and confront head-on those conflicts which we face in this broken world. And we got to be bold and courageous in doing it, both as Christian individuals and as Ascension Lutheran Church. There's communities out here that are relying on that, that need to be healed. Being baptized believers of Christ means that we can't avoid it. And when we falter and fail, God still brings forth His Word, even into our own lives. He uses any situation to bring forth His glorious healing because God is faithful. Because God raised rejected Christ from the dead for all of creation. And because, more importantly, God's Word is immutable. God had the last say on the cross. Not the Pharisees, not the Sadducees. Peter then goes on to say, "There is salvation in no one else; for there is no other name under heaven, given among mortals, which we must be saved. Creation has access to salvation because of this name, and this name was the corn, was made the cornerstone that supports the entire church, the entirety of God's kingdom. One bold act of God has confronted." The evil powers head on and brought forth a firm foundation upon which we all stand. So maybe we ever be so bold, empowered by God's word, by staying in his word and staying in the sacraments and staying in fellowship as a body of believers. And go forward to confront our communities, to confront this world in the name of the risen Savior, Christ Jesus, so that all people can be healed and enjoy that healing that you and I have. And to God be all the glory. Amen.